As I was, uh, you know, last night and, and this week, I had some things that were, um, that I was, I was thinking about saying, and then this morning, I, I kind of woke up in, in the presence and, and, uh, and, and a sense of his care of me, and, and, and I began to, to shift this message, and I, I really felt like there was a, an invitation for all of us to feel the care of the Father, that, that he really wants you and all of us and me to experience his care. And that in so doing, experience his rest, um, experience his, his peace. Sometimes if we have love or joy or we're having a good day and we look around or, you know, we get hit by something in the day, it can jolt us out of that place, the experience of, of joy. And so he actually protects joy through a revelation of his care, a revelation of his, of his peace. It protects it. And it's the kind of protection that it would terrify you if you saw it because it's an all-consuming fire. His peace is like that. And so in this time, I also ask that the Father reveal his, his fiery jealousy for you in protecting that peace, that rest, that care that he has for you. And I believe that through this time, there will be a deeper revelation of that, that you'll encounter him and his care for you. And so that as you anchor yourself in the days ahead and looking toward Jesus uh, in, in the days and months and years ahead, you'll be able to pierce through whatever is around you and experience that shalom at all times. That's his gift to you. And I believe that through today, that's what is going to happen. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip around maybe to two or three passages. And, and I hope to, to be able to pull them together well. So... <laughs> When Jesus came, he came revealing God as Father. And that's a revelation that wasn't full until Jesus came. And so I want to encourage you as, you as you read through the scriptures, perhaps the starting point of your journey through the scriptures is in the book of John or the gospel of John. Uh, it's been said to me over the years that that's a great place for people to start. I want to encourage you to, to start it as if it's the first time you've ever heard about God. You know, I, I think that that's a, that makes sense. I mean, I understand why it was revealed through uh, Moses as God creator uh, and in many ways first, but his ultimate aim has been always to reveal himself as a father. And we're in a time and season where he is raising up mothers and fathers. Um, it's, it's something that John and I were texting and talking about this morning that, that he has felt a, a burden of as well. We we're sensing it during our fire nights that we have here that God keeps on speaking to us about raising up mothers and fathers. And whether or not you know it or not, you're made to be a mother. You're made to be a father. You know, uh, as, we, as we grow and mature in this life of Jesus, you are made to father and mother others, no matter where you are in life. That's actually your call because you're made in the image of God who is Father. And you all have it within you, that, that sense and that desire to nurture, to care for, to strengthen, to vision cast, to create destiny for folks. And as you, and we're getting to the passage today, as you continuously surrender yourself to Jesus, you become parented to become a true daughter and a true son. And that gives you an anchor of reality of where you're supposed to be with life. A lot of times we don't feel like we have a home or a place because we don't yet fully realize that we are sons and daughters. As we grow into this revelation, we become settled and secure, able to experience joy at all times because our Father is always with us and He is joy in life. And so as Jesus was speaking to us, you know, He would say at times difficult things and hard things, and then afterwards, His apostles came, and he, they're, they're, again, they're, they're helping us to understand the love of the Father and what He's like. And so I'm going to read through from Hebrews 12 just to start out with. 
And yeah, we'll see where this goes. So in Ephesians chapter 12, if you guys have your, your Bibles, if you want to look through the scriptures on your phone, Hebrews 12, chapter, uh, chapter 12, verse 3. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners. Who's talking about Jesus and consider him. And so a couple weeks ago, I was talking about focus and uh, and we, we've heard lately in, in the spirit a lot of times that the Lord is having us to focus specifically on certain things. Uh, you know, we can get kind of caught up in today's world about focusing on evil or fearful things. And as we turn away from that intentionally to let him take care of those things, we also, though, do need to have our focus anchored somewhere. Therefore, uh, for consider the, therefore him who endured such hostility from sinners. And so we anchor our focus on him so that you won't grow weary and lose heart. And struggling against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or faint when you are reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one that he loves. And my translation says, and punishes every son he receives. And so that word discipline is the same there. Endure suffering as discipline in verse 7. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, which all receive, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. And he goes on for a moment. And so there's, there's some reasoning here that's really, really important. Um, that sense that we all have sometimes of being fatherless in some area of our life, of not having that someone that said, hey, listen, you've got this, or that someone that says that, hey, I'm going to be there for you, or that sense that someone's going to always protect you or provide for you, or whatever that might be for you personally. We're all growing into this. And as we experience God's discipline, and so I'm going to first off pause. This word um, discipline is also the same word that can be used to say instruct, or teach. Um, it's the same kind of word that you or I might think of as an athlete needing every single day to you know, help themselves prepare for the goal that they have to win the race, to, uh, to, to go after the championship prize. And so sometimes when I hear the word discipline, I think of it as like a fearful thing, like I've done something wrong. This isn't primarily what God's after in this. He is one who is an all times sovereign. He's in control of himself. He is that he is. You know, the, the, one of the first words that we have about his name is I am that I am. Like, he can do whatever he wants to. He's God. He's fully in charge of himself and of his own soul. You know, he's, he's good. He adds that to us. And so that nature within him that at any time he's always able to be completely in control of himself uh, to be angry and not sin, for instance, or to be full of joy and love, all at the same time, he wants us to offer, he wants us to grow into that. And so he actually offers that nature to us through what we call discipline. And so his discipline is standing firm in who he is and then letting us try to continuously abide in him. And the reason why I say that is because in verse 7, my translation here, and I'm not the, the biggest fan of this particular one, it says endure suffering as discipline. That, that word endure suffering is actually one word in the Greek, and it's 
hypo or hypomeno. And it's to abide under or abide by. So it's to rest or to wait under the discipline of the Lord. Minnow is one of my most favorite words in all of Scripture. It's the word used in John 15 when it says, Abide in me, and you will bear much fruit. The, the secret to success in life. Everybody wants to be successful. Everyone wants to have something to show for his life or her life. Everyone wants to know, how is it that I can become all who I was meant to be? Is told to us in John 15. Abide in me, and you will be successful. Abide in me, and I guarantee that no matter what comes out of your life, it will be good on the day of judgment when I come back and I let you see the work of your hands. That, that's, a, that's one of the, the main secrets of whole life that Jesus was revealing, that as you abide in him and let his words abide in you, so as, as his nature abides in you as, you, as you rest in him, we took a moment at the end of worship to acknowledge this place. And so at the very end of our time, we were experiencing, if, if, if you, know, you were joining in with that, a sense of just, I, I love you. Uh, your, your peace is here. Your joy is here. I'm, just, I'm letting you have my burdens. I'm, I'm able to rest here. You know, I can, for, for a few moments, forget about the cares of the world because that's who you are. As we are abiding in his nature, we recognize that's who he is. There's an exchange that's happening. That's a form of abiding in him. And so we, we took some time just to stretch into that as an experience. So that's the word minnow as hupomeno. Hupomeno is, is this, I, I, it's, it's, it's an amazing word where underneath uh, waiting and abiding, we become like sons and daughters. And so in a moment sometimes, we'll, we'll catch a glimpse. This is, uh, you know, we'll catch a glimpse of what it means to have the Holy Spirit full in us. Maybe, you know, you've had times where you've had just times of almost like ecstasy. Maybe like the day you got saved, you, you felt the full removal of all your sin and burdens and you just felt like the cleanest thing on earth, that innocence. Wow, you experienced that. Other times in your life where you have an encounter with God and you get filled with this Holy Spirit afresh and you're, this is amazing. We learn in that place how wonderful it is, and we always want to stay there because of how good that is. That desire to stay there is also abiding. It's also meno. When we don't feel that, and yet we attempt to remain there, that's hupomeno. Okay? When, when we know, this is what it means to be poor in spirit. When we are looking and longing for that, that connection with God, and in those moments, we're not experiencing it. You know, uh, Elizabeth and I will talk about how difficult it is with five kids and other responsibilities, and they're always coming in and asking wonderful questions <laughs> and asking us to, to judge them, or their sisters more likely. <clears throat> how hard that is sometimes to be able to abide. You know, and maybe you've got a deadline at work. And you're just thinking, how am I going to do this? You know, and, and, and the boss is going to be there, or the head up of the company is going to be there, and they're going to be scrutinizing my work. And you're like, I can't pull this together. You know, or you, you've got a friend that, that deeply loves you that, that you're at odds with, and you hate that feeling. And it makes it difficult to minnow, to abide, and rest. Yet, you know that it's good, and you desire to stay there, and so that you do all you can, you strive to enter into that place of rest. That's hupomeno. That is enduring suffering. That is uh, with the endurance that God has you to be disciplined. That's what he's talking about. That's actually the word for that. 
which is really encouraging to me because if you're anything like me, most of the time I feel like I'm not. I'm not there. I'm not experiencing this like place of ecstatic bliss with God. His peace isn't always flowing. His love just isn't exploding out with people, and I'm giving people hugs, and everyone's getting saved everywhere I go, and it's the most glorious day every day. I wish it was always like that, but that's not actually what it means to grow up into becoming a son or a daughter. Our thoughts are not yet like his thoughts completely. Our, our feelings aren't yet like his feelings completely. Our actions aren't yet like fully his, but we're growing more and more and more into that every single day. Today is better than yesterday. We go from glory to glory. We are way more like Jesus today than we were when we first became believers, and tomorrow is going to be the same thing. So today we can recognize that, man, I want to be in that place, but while I'm not yet there, I'm going to abide in him and struggle through that. That is what it means to endure the discipline of the Lord. That's really encouraging to me. It seems to actually remove some of the burdens that maybe I'm, I'm just not messing, I'm, I'm not doing enough. He's like, whoa, 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 who told you that? <clears throat> You're trying, right? Like, like I, know, I know who you are. Maybe in seasons past, I, I felt so close to you and I don't at all anymore. I feel like I'm wandering in a wilderness and I just wait upon you. All I can do is in the middle of the night just cry out to you, help. That's all I've got right now. That's enough. That is hupomeno. In that way, our thoughts become like his thoughts over time, and, and our, our actions become more aligned with his. And so therefore, we begin to, as we press in more and more day by day, removing those thoughts that were his, and, tr- and just sometimes just patiently enduring it, we become like him. And it's through that we actually become, in this passage, what it says is that we become legitimized. We were, we were born from above, from an entirely different planet from a whole different dimension, a whole different world. We're, we're born again in the spirit. And, and there's a sense that there's a dissonance between this world and, and the world that we're from. And it's, it's at times confusion or confounding. And so that'll come across sometimes as, you know, as dissonance or it's confusing. And, and so in the middle of that waiting, in the middle of that trying to figure it out, we will feel at times illegitimate because we're, we, we don't really fit here and here. Well, we don't fit in, in the world any longer. And I don't yet fully believe that I'm, I'm, I'm resting like I should be in God. Like I know that I know that I'm his and I'm holy, that I'm set apart, that I'm, I'm, but I don't feel it at times. And so that can make us at times feel like we're illegitimate because we don't feel like we have a space or a home. God's telling you in this, as you as you, as you wait in him, as you abide in him, as you hope therefore in him, you are becoming legitimate. You actually are already there. That same word, hopomeno, is also one of my favorite words from the Old Testament. If you guys are familiar with uh, Isaiah 40, um, it was actually, uh, uh, Brad actually texted it to me earlier this week, and I didn't put that together until now. But uh, we know this one. We, we love it. Um, in verse 29 he gives strength to the weary and strengthens the powerless youths may faint and grow weary and young men may stumble but those who wait in the Lord you know some translations will say trust some will say hope it's the same word it's, it's hupomeno those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength they will soar on wings like eagles they will run and not grow weary they will walk and not faint we become stronger. We can raise up on wings like eagles as we abide in the Lord underneath 
our awareness that we're not yet there, and he keeps us in that place under his discipline so that we can gather strength over the course of time. You know, this, this letter of Hebrews is written to a people that they, they started out on fire like all of us are right now. They started out in a place where they were willingly giving up all their possessions, that signs and wonders, miracles were all over them. And then a long time happened. Some translators, some uh, you know, commentators will say like 20, 30, 40 years passed between their joyful giving up of their belongings and them waiting yet still for the fulfillment of their promises. And so one of the crown jewel virtues of the early church fathers is this word hupomeno. Others will call it the word patience or patiently enduring suffering, long suffering. It's, it's, it's a similar kind of vein within that. And so they, they were holding on to promises that they knew were good and they weren't giving up. But they were growing weary at times. And they were like, I'm tired. I can't, God, how do I do this every single day? And, and y'all, we're, we're in a time where, where so many have grown weary because the battles are raging right now. And there's a reformation of society and culture that's going on right now. Yeah. And it's going to change generations. We're, we're, we're in the middle of it. Two huge tectonic plates are coming together and crashing together, not just in our nation, around the world. These competing ideas, and right out of the middle of it always comes the kingdom of heaven. And we are in the middle of it right now. The, the way is narrow. We're being crushed on every side, seemingly. Every one of us are in this narrow path. We have friends on this side now, friends on this side now. We can't even choose anything any longer, and we can't hold on to what we thought was a normal life, and we're having to let go of everything in order just to get by and breathe sometimes. In the middle of this kind of weariness, this is the word for now. Let this discipline train you into legitimate sons and daughters of God. And in so doing, you become fathers and mothers for the generation ahead in the midst of this reformation that's going on. And so take these tools that we've been given over these last weeks, like take the revelation of who Jesus is and, 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 and own that. Because in so doing, as you wait in, in the kindness of the Lord, as you wait in his humility, as you wait in his gentleness, as, as you wait in his wisdom, as you wait on his silence at times, and you become like him in all these ways, we are actually offering the solution for this reformation as we stand in that place and wait in that place. Because people will begin to trust us because we're not like either of these two tectonic plates. We're coming up out of the middle of it. And so... This is, the, the, the passage will go on in, in Hebrews 12 and, and talk about how this discipline, you know, works. And I, I want to encourage you in this, that, 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 that the, the end result of this is that you become like God. And so in, in Romans chapter 8, we can just go there. Um, it's, a, it's a passage that I think fairly has been Misinterpreted, um, but it's one. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna tread lightly here for a moment. Okay, so in in verse 28 of Romans 8, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God. And so, for those who love God, Jesus would say, "If you love me or, or abide in me, you'll bear much fruit." And so, as you find yourself abiding in Him, that's a sign that you love God. By the way. I remember when I first got saved, I had, I had so much guilt uh, from so many things I'd done wrong. Uh, I just would wonder, like, am I still saved? You know, does God really love me? And, uh, and the answer to that, if, if you ever feel that question arise in your heart, you know, does God really love you? Ask yourself, do you love God? Yeah. You know, get still and be like, do you love God? Well, yeah, 
then God loves you. Because <laughs> God gave you that love. And, and your recognition of it is actually a grace. It's actually the Holy Spirit in you. And so, for those he foreknew, in verse 29, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers. All right. For those he foreknew. So this is where I'm going to tread lightly. God knows and understands all things. You know, he, he can see backwards, forwards, time. You know, he, he knows in our thoughts before they're even on our lips. He knows everything. Okay. This foreknowledge, in particular in this verse, is directed at one thing. And it's you and I becoming like Jesus, daughters and sons. This passage, is, I'm, I'm directing it intentionally, th- this foreknowledge that he uses for predestination is in you becoming just like Jesus. Outside of that, <laughs> I just want to gently suggest not to build a huge doctrine around that. Okay. <clears throat> His aim, Jesus came to reveal God as Father. He came to reveal God as relational. This passage, in particular, is foreknowledge about you and me becoming relationally in communion with God from the very beginning. He set us all aside to be holy before the foundation of the earth, so we're in that, and we are becoming that. We already are that, and we're becoming that. But his foreknowledge in this passage is directly, completely at you and me becoming who we're supposed to be. Okay, so I'll leave it at that. But when you read this, what we take comfort in is that his foreknowledge and predestination, which he's going to make it happen, is aimed at you becoming the fullness of who you were made to be in Christ, the full revelation of who you are, joined together in union with him. And so as you're under abiding, as you're in this place of hupomeno, as you're, as you're at times feeling the weight of it, and, and the, the, the letter of the Hebrews, it says, all right, you know, you've grown weary, now, now strengthen your knees. You know, because after a while, you're just like, I, I can't even stand up anymore. And maybe you've never been in that place before. Maybe you've got energy all the time. I'm, I'm not like that all the time. And so I, I relate a lot to this passage. This has been one of those that, that have comforted me because oftentimes if I feel weak, if I feel tired as a Christian, I feel less than because I have the power of God working in me. And what this passage is saying is that in the midst of weariness, because you are so going after God's heart, you're, you're trying to hold on and remember, you're, you're doing the things of faithfulness every single day and not seeing the tangible results. Be encouraged that this is forming within you legitimacy. This is forming within you the ability and capacity to be a son and daughter so that you can also be fun, fathers and sons, fathers and uh, mothers. Alrighty. Yeah, so, you know, you can look at the rest of the passages in verse 30. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. And so your, your glory is guaranteed. Um, so be encouraged about that as well. Okay, so, yeah. To wait upon God. 
in, in the, the Hebrew context especially, also means to be knit together or to, to twine oneself with. And so as we wait upon him, you know, and sometimes you're waiting and you, you just don't feel good. You know, and, and you know, you're, you're doing stuff, you're doing your activities, you know, you're exercising, you're eating well, you're, you know, you're, you're working hard, you know, and, and you're, you're longing for God. Sometimes the longing is enough. You're, you're waiting in that place. That is actually intertwining your heart with his. And he's also waiting on you. So he's intertwining his heart with you at the same time. And so as you are under the discipline of the Lord, this is a wonderful thing. This is, this is a glorious thing. Um, it goes on in, in Hebrews 12 to say that sometimes, you know, uh, our earthly parents, they discipline us according to the, the, the best they knew how, and we respected them for it. But no, this is God. Uh, so sometimes as parents, we can be inconsistent. We can miss the mark, and then therefore our parents, our, our kids, or we ourselves will, will distrust the discipline of the Lord because do you really know where this is going to turn out? Like, yeah, you know, do you guys really understand, you know, who I am? And sometimes it's hard to trust God because we don't feel like we're fully known or fully uh, cared for. But in these passages over and over again, it says you, you can't escape this. He knows you through and through, even if you don't believe it. And he is disciplining you to that place where you will be fully revealed as you're supposed to be. He knows you through and through. He cares for you. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He's actually numbered every single one of them. He loves you. And so even when you don't feel it, even when you don't trust him and you're kicking him and you're pulling on his beard and you're saying, stop it, he knows what he's doing. And it's okay to have those moments. And as Christians, if we can create a community of fathers and mothers that let kids kick them in the shins while they're being disciplined and loved into that place, we'll be better for it. And so if a whole nation right now is kicking against everyone's shins, can we give some grace? to the pain of fatherlessness that's going on out there. And be a people that are prepared to be fathers and mothers when the energy wears out and weariness sets in and they don't yet know their father. In these days ahead, weariness will set in to our nation. People are going to be tired of fighting. And we who have abided in the Lord under the weight of the Lord's discipline we will rise up on wings like eagles with the message of deliverance and sonship and daughtership. It's happening right now. John 17.3 is one of my cornerstone verses in life. Uh, Jesus came in John 10 to tell us that he came to give life, life super abundantly. The word in the Greek for super abundantly uh, is the kind of abundance of life that makes other people jealous. John 17.3 then says, this is eternal life. To know God intimately, like you would a lover, like a spouse, you know and his son Jesus, whom he sent. And that, that intimacy is what happens after knitting together over time of abiding in him. That is where you find life. Sometimes the, the, the greatest evidence that Christ is at work is in, in someone is the fact that they, they haven't yet given up. 
it, again, this is one of the crown jewel virtues of the early church fathers is, is, is this, you know, to, to patiently endure suffering. Um, and, and suffering can be a little bit dramatic at times. We can think of it that way. I mean, but there's various forms of it. And so, so suffering a lot of times is uh, you have love for someone and they're not receiving it. And, and you, you try to show it to them in, in a lot of different ways and they're just not getting it. Um, and, and that hurts. And, and it's, it's innocent, it's pure, you know. And it's not being received. As we take back that pain, so to speak, we, we take in and it feels bad. All right, that's the sufferings of Christ. You know, he's perfect love. He comes to the, this world and he feels pain because they don't yet know him. So love in that sense feels it. So we're, we're actually sharing with what he is sharing in. Like this is what it's like all the time to be God. Wisdom, it says in the Proverbs, brings about pain. Once we understand wisdom from above, there's a sense of like, ah, sorrow. Like, man, like my, my daughter, my son, my, my kid, my friend, my, my parent, whatever, who it is, my colleague, they don't know this love yet. Like, and I'm trying to give it to them and, they're, and they're, they're treating me poorly and that hurts. That is suffering with Christ. As we abide, this is gonna be fun. As we abide in that love for that person, that love is the Lord. As we abide in him, in that place, and we, we bring Jesus into that because this is the Lord. This is your, hey, listen, your love put me in this place. It's your love that's actually caused me to hurt like this. Let me see it, let me feel it, let me experience it with you. As we let him share in that with us, so we share in Christ in our sufferings, then suddenly we're not alone in it. As we're under the weight of this, nonetheless, we're no longer alone in it. So this is how the transition works from being weak in the knees to strong to be able to stand up because wait a second, this isn't just me by myself. I'm not being selfish here. This isn't like self-centered pain. This is for another. This is Christ in me. He's sharing this with me. It's his fellowship. It's his strength. It's his love that is actually putting me in this place. And so therefore, I can trust him with it. And this is going to lead me to my final passage, which is in Matthew 11. I remember where I was going. Thank you, Lord. Come to me, verse 28. All who are weary and burdened, or heavy laden, and I will give you rest. All of you, take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So, oh man, so the, the, the pain of, of not seeing this breakthrough for myself or for another, the, the pain of not knowing the Father like Jesus knows him, that, that's my biggest pain in life. God, I, I want to know you like Jesus knows you. I, I want to be able to see how you see. I, I want to be able to enter into all the wonder that was in Jesus at all times. Or whatever thousands of pains that are out there, let me enter into that with you. Come to me all who are weary and, and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. And so here's what happens when we, hupomena, when we abide in Jesus, we come to him, we turn to him, we let him fill us, and suddenly there's an exchange that takes place. I give you the heaviness of this. I give you the pain of this. I can't take this anymore. This is weighing on my soul. We're, we're meant to be buoyant, joyful people. And if the cares of the world 
are bearing on us, we are going to find that that, over time, loses the experience of that joy, of that peace at all times. And so we come to the Lord, and we say, Lord, I, 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 need, I need rest. I need rest from this pain. And, and the Lord comes in and says, hey, thank you so much that you as a priest or priestess, you as a father or mother, were willing to take this pain, willing to experience this, because I'm not on earth like you are. You're a mother and father here on earth. I'm supporting you. I'm interceding with the Father, saying, look at what my fathers, look what my, my kids are doing out there. Look at how they're interceding. It's your prayers that move the heart of God, right? As you intercede, as you enter into that pain, and then you release it to him, that is intercession. That's saying, ah, I can't take this anymore. It says, thank you so much. Now I can act on your behalf because you're not taking it on like it's you. You're not taking this on like you can control it, that you can fix it. It's by giving it to me, now I have access to the problem. And in exchange for that, you get rest. In exchange for that, you have peace knowing that this guy, our father, he's got this. Jesus, the intercessor who came to give us this life, he's got this. That's legitimate. That's legitimacy. That's walking around as sons and daughters and fathers and mothers because I know who my father is. Jesus showed us who the Father is, who God really is, and he walked on earth knowing who his Father is. Abba has a connotation of, that guy's got my back. That's, that's really what it means, part of it. It's intimacy. I'm so, I am that I am because he is who he is. Wouldn't you like to walk into any situation knowing I am who I am? Knowing that who God has called me to be in this moment, uh, a peacemaker. Um, maybe he's called me to being a joy bringer. Maybe he's come to bring reconciliation. Maybe he's called to barrow sorrows for that moment. I know who I am. I can do this because he's got this. I know now how to give this back to him. I'm not going to carry it any longer on my soul, although he was the one that put it on there because of love, I now give it back to him. This is what love feels like at times. And so as we... As we abide in his love, sometimes we experience these things in life. And we need to know how to do that. We need to know how to exchange that. Because fathers and mothers, they bear with their kids. We have a nation of people right now that need to know where to go with their pain. We can ask a question. (laughs) How are you doing today? And then they give you the answer, the, the glib, fine, fine, I'm good, blah, 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 blah. And they, they, they divert away, no, 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 no. Hey, I've got a few minutes. How are you doing today? And then let yourself become vulnerable, oh, to what they're feeling. And say, hey, can I just pray? If they're not yet a believer, I'm going to pray for that. Or can I even introduce you to Jesus who wants to do something with this? And then, just like we did at the very end of worship, we just kind of pause in his presence and say, hey, what do you want to do with this? I'm going I'm to give this to you. He is faithful to bear your burdens. It's his yoke. It's easy and light. Yeah. And so there's, a, there's an impartation of faith that he's giving tonight or today. And whenever you want to listen to this again, there's an impartation for faith for him to bear these things for you and enter into rest at all times. We are a restful people. We are commanded, even in Hebrews 3 and 4, to strive to enter into this rest because it's today. It's not now. I mean, it's right now. At any point, you can enter into rest. This, is, this has not been easy for me to enter into that. You know, I'm a feeler, you know, and, and like you all, love people, hate it when they suffer. 
I can look at people and just know like that person's in pain and I'll feel it. And then I'll feel responsible for a lot of different reasons that I shouldn't because he's responsible for all the reasons. And so we enter into his rest and in that rest, joy, therefore, is unthreatened and unthreatenable. Hope, therefore, has no end because we know that he has got it. We abide in him. He takes care of the results. We don't always see it. And so we fix our eyes on Jesus who didn't see the results of his pain and suffering as he hung naked on a cross and died and all of his friends and followers left him, except for John and Mary. But he didn't see the kingdom of heaven fulfilled. The book of Hebrews says that people held on to the promises and they didn't see them fulfilled, all of them. There's promises that I want us to carry that we will not see fulfilled because they're for generations behind us. If you can become capable and strong to give him your burdens to enter into rest, then he can trust you with the generations coming behind us. We can make declarations. We can pray. We can give of our, of our resources and our time. We, 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 can, we can give our lives away. You know, because we can entrust all things to him who on a cross foresaw the joy that was before him but didn't experience yet. And so we, 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 there are promises that he's going to give us and they're fulfilled in a second. Some take 10 years and some are, are for the generations past. That is our call as fathers and sons. We sow into our kids not knowing exactly how it's going to turn out, but in abiding in him, the success and the fruit is guaranteed. All right. I think that's a good place to stop. That's kind of abrupt, but I think that's enough. So I'm going to pray. Um, you know, w- wisdom, we, we heard it from Randall, and we've been speaking it a lot. You know, Tiffany's been saying these things. John, I mean, like, one of the things I love about how John and Tiffany lead us um, is, is they, are, they are jealous, first of all, always for the, the glory of the Father. And they're jealous for all of us to be so fixed on him in our worship and our adoration and our lifestyle that the things of this world, I mean, like, we, we, can, we can dance, we can rise above all things. And that's where they live. That, that, and so they, they, they guard that. We need to be as jealous. We need to, we need to also learn from that. that. That's who Jesus was. Jesus would, would bear these burdens. He would experience great sorrow as he looked over Jerusalem and wept and as he was in the garden and he was sweating blood because of the burdens of the whole world on him. And he was able to know how to give these things to the Father. I mean, I mean he was just like us. You know, he, he learned how to be in communion with God throughout his life. And so I, I, I'm jealous for all of us to, to know how to, to stay in that place of keeping our eyes fixed upon him in the heavenly places where we're seated with Christ. That table is set before us. And if we can learn how to rest well in him, hupomeno, like this, abide there in that place, exchanging ours for his, then I think we can be a people that can run this race with endurance and run it well as legitimate sons and daughters and reveal fathers and mothers in this planet. Okay. That's a better stopping point. All right. I'm going to pray. <laughs> Father, we, we wait upon you. Our soul waits upon you. You're worth waiting upon. 
you have taken the first step in creating us. You have taken the first step in choosing us. So every day I pray for my brothers and sisters in this room that, that they would wait upon you for that first kiss in the morning of your love, of your care. Lord, I ask even now that you would refresh them in that love and that care, that tenderness, that gentleness, that humility, that meekness. God, our, our eyes are oftentimes seeing aggression and violence. Lord, I, I ask that that would now be placed on you. I, that's an ugly thing to see. Father, we see competitiveness. We see people clamoring over one another to get what's theirs. And that's an ugly thing to see. We give you that. That's not who you are. We fix our eyes on the meek and humble one who gave of himself. You know, who says that, you know, a smoldering wick he won't put out, a a bruised reed he won't break. He, he's he's the, the, the meek one. He, he didn't, even though led like a, sl- a lamb to the slaughter, he didn't speak out. He, you know, he, he even said that his fathers wouldn't be fighting for him. That, that we are to be a people who, who God, are to look at him and trust you like he did. And so, God, we, we put aside our own agreements with competitiveness and, and violence and, and becoming hardened by the world. We, we, we put these aside to you and we remember that you've called us to be a tender, meek, gentle people who wait well for wisdom, who wait well with compassion. And I ask that there be an impartation of these things afresh. Lord, I need these things afresh. I ask that you would cleanse us from the times that we have joined with those kind of Discussions and agreements and have looked upon those who are seemingly successful in the world and their tactics and we've, we've gone after that. Lord, cleanse those things from us. We, we're sorry. Forgive us for that, Lord. Lord, it, you know, I ask for faith. I ask that you would grant us as a house faith to trust in you like Jesus so that we can be tender to raise up your sons and daughters, so that we can be Life givers, nurturers, strengtheners, vision casters, supporters, providers. We can bear their burdens for them, Lord, and then give them to you and show them how to do the same. Father, I ask that we would be a mature and whole people, lacking in nothing, God. And so, Lord, refresh us, cleanse us. Lord, all of us have missed the mark in some ways on this. And so I, I ask for your mercy, your grace now, to hear again that you're so pleased with us, that we're innocent in your eyes that in the best sense, you're proud of us. Lord, let us hear again that we're doing a great job in these difficult times. Let us know that you're gonna care for us in the days ahead so that we can care for others. Father, into your hands, I commit my whole life, my spirit, and I commit these people to you, for you love them dearly. No matter where they are, listening to this, everywhere they are. I love you, Jesus. Amen.